Good morning. Can I have you turn to Genesis chapter 12? I don't know if you think the way I think, but when I'm singing the songs that we sang this morning, worshiping, and you, and especially the last song, the Revelation song, and you picture that in your mind, you know, God on the throne, Jesus next to him, the angels, all that's going on, and the love that he has for us, why in the world would we not follow him? And it's just, you know, whether it's the world, the flesh, or the devil, it's one of the three, um, it's like total insanity why I wouldn't trust him to follow him. This morning I just want to touch on, um, I want to touch on faith. In the life of Abraham, I'm not going to go back before, before Genesis 12, but Abraham wasn't perfect. We're not perfect, so don't think, well, that's Abraham and that's not me. He was, he's made of the same thing that we're made out of. He's a sinner like us. He's a human being, and we're going to see. But finally, he, got, he made a decision to follow God by faith. Faith is just putting your trust in him for what he's telling you to do. And I know you'll think, um, well, how do I know what he's telling me to do? Abraham was worshiping God and he heard from God. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. If you're a born again Christian, you have God, the Holy Spirit, inside of you. So it's right there. And I'm not here to promote anything, but in, in September, I'm going to do a six-week class on how to live a spirit-controlled life. How to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, how to hear from him in a better way. I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived. I just want to share with you what I think are vital things because when you can hear God, when you can hear God the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you recognize it and you obey it, things happen. Things that I know you want to happen in your life, but somehow there's a breakdown. We're going to see the breakdown in Abraham's life. And so Genesis 12 I'll just start in verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get out of your country and from your kindred and from the, your father's house into the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed out of the Lord departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, his nephew, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Shechem, Shechem and unto the plain Morah, and the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto your seed I will give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from there a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called the name of the Lord, called on the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still to the south. So we'll see here that um, 
from the time that you're saved until the time that you go to heaven, you're on a spiritual journey. You're on a spiritual pilgrimage. And the question is for me and for you, what have I done with my life? What have I done with my life? Because we can come up with a million excuses, we all can, but there's no excuse at all when we stand before Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's rewards, or maybe there's something minimal for you. You'll still be in heaven, you'll still be saved, but what did you do with your life and what did, did you obey what I was telling you to do? Because God has a plan for every one of us. Your plan is not my plan. What, you're not me, I'm not you. God has a plan for your life, he has a plan for this church. And, and what will we do with it? So we see here, um, Abraham example shows us how to live our lives in absolute faith and in total commitment. Whoa, that, that word just shakes us, total commitment. The first point this morning is Abraham's, Abram's obedience. It took time, but he finally came to the place of obedience. He was hanging around in Haran. He was dealing with people, dealing with his family, and finally he got away from that. He finally obeyed God and, and made, made the move that he was supposed to make. And as we see in these verses, verses 5 and 6, and also before that, that God made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you a land, which is Canaan. You're going to be a nation, which is going to be Israel. Your name will be blessed. And on top of that, what you're going to do is going to be the line and the seed of the Messiah. Total, talk about a package. And I'm putting that on you to obey me so these things can happen. I'm not talking about people getting saved or heaven or hell, but there's a lot of things that don't happen that are supposed to happen in our lives and in our church because of a lack of obedience. They just don't happen. You think, well, God will still do it anyway. No, he doesn't. He do you want to take that attitude. It's not biblical. Well, someone else will do it. No, he's calling you to do it. He's asking you to follow through with what he's telling you to do because only you can do it. You're the person who can do it. I want to challenge you this morning, but I want to encourage you that you have something that someone else doesn't have. God's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you your, the spirit within you to be able to accomplish those things that are way beyond yourself. It scares us in one way, but that's what faith is. If faith was, okay, God, just show me what to do, and I will, I'll do it. It takes being able to hear and then taking steps into the unseen, not the seen. It doesn't take faith when you see it all. Well, I want it all laid out so God will show me. He's not going to do that. If you're waiting for it, you're going to keep waiting. Sometimes he might shake us in such a way where he's got our attention and, okay, you're so thick-headed and I want this accomplished. This is, you know, here. But usually it's step by step, you're going to have to step out. 
And to step out, you're going to have to be sure that he loves you, and you're going to have to trust him. Abraham finally got to that place. So the first thing in Abraham's obedience, it involved separation. He called him out of his country. Verse 1, he called him out away from his kindred and from his father's house unto a land that he wanted to show them. Involved his separation. In his case, called to separate from his relatives. Separate from everything that would hinder his progress in this walk of faith. Separate himself from those things that are going to hinder you in this walk of faith. And there will be hindrances. There'll be, there'll be people around you, Christians. There'll be relatives. Why are you going to church there? Why did you change? I mean, these are the things you've experienced. These are the things I've experienced. Why are you leaving that church and going there? Why are you reading the Bible now? Why are you going to do that? I heard all of those things. And the question is, hmm, who do I obey? Who am I going to listen to? You listen to God. You do what he tells you to do. But there's always going to be opposition to, that, to those decisions. I think back sometimes on my parents, and it's like, wow, me and my brother really put them through a ringer because, you know, and thank God they, God did a work in their life, but here, one son with his family, my wife, going to Hong Kong, and another, the other family going to Africa. And you're taking all the grandkids too? It was like, how can you do that? That was God's will at that time. So there, he had to get away. Is that for everybody, get away, from, get away from your relatives? No, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is everything that prevents us from progressing becomes a weight. Grant, I don't think I had this verse in Hebrews. Do I? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let me just have you flip there. Hebrews chapter 12. It says in verse 1, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Those are two things there, sin and a weight. Sometimes there's a weight that's in the way that's got to go. Like I said, most of the times it's not going to talk about leaving your family. However, if you decide to walk, by, to walk by faith, people will not be sympathetic how the Lord is leading you. They're not going to be sympathetic towards you. They're going to sometimes be a stumbling block. That can come from within a church, come from Christians, and come from unsaved people. People aren't going to be sympathetic. Well, that's a great idea. That's a good idea. No, that's, you're foolish for doing that. Here was Abraham leaving everything to follow him. Because God knew that's what it was going to take for Abraham to accomplish what it is he had to accomplish. 
I'm here to tell you this morning that the walk of faith is a faith of adventure, and it's a faith of joy and release. It's a place where God will use you and you'll be blessed. And it's not like, oh, no, I, I don't want to do this. This is going to be so hard. I, God doesn't work that way. That's how we work. He's saying, come, follow me. Will there be obstacles? Will there be opposition? Will there be persecution? Yeah. But with it, you'll have a joy in your heart that you know you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. I think there's like, I'm sure there's more categories of people, people that, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? I'm going to do it. And then you have the next group who's like, yeah, I do, but I don't. And then you have the next group who's like, I'm not budging. I'm set my ways. Abraham was 75 years old, and God called him. So if you're saying to God, well, I am kind of old, I'm set my ways, God's still going to use you. He still wants to use you. So he separated in that instance, and then there was a separation, and it included also his substance. Verse 5. The Lord got everything Abraham had, left nothing behind. Everything was God's. God wants everything that we have dedicated to him. Everything we have is his anyway, whether you realize it or not. The job you have, the house you have, he gave you the brain to think, to get it. Everything is basically down to him. He owns everything. You're just a caretaker of whatever it is you have. It's all his stuff. The question is, do you believe that? You could say, yeah, I kind of know that, but are you willing to live your life saying, okay, this is yours, and you gave it to me, you can take it away, I'm just a caretaker of what it is that you want me to do with this. So, it also involved, so separation, his substance involved his surrender. Did as, he did as the Lord spoke to him. Can you remember anything today is the secret of pleasing God is simply do what he says. It's not complicated. Just simply do what he tells you to do. And I know you're saying, well, if I, we would say, well, if I heard it clearly, I would do it. Like, in our terms, if God texted me clearly what to do, then I know it would be him. I still believe we would doubt it and that we would figure out a way not to do it because it's going to cost us something. You know, it says in 1 Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. You can do, God calls you to do something, and what we do is we come up with, yeah, okay, but I want to do, I want to do this, this, and this. Will that make you happy, God? No. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You want to sacrifice and do these other things and hope he's happy with it when he's just saying to you, do this. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He's willing to work with you if you're fearful, if you're scared. Those things don't stop him. He's looking for people like that. Because then you're going to know it's all him. I was talking to someone before a church, and I think it's a song by Casting Crowns, where it's Mercy Me, where it says, God chose me and nobody to be a somebody to tell everybody. And I forgot the last one, but it was one of those buddies I'm, yeah, I'm a nobody. He made me a somebody to tell everybody. 
question is, do you believe that? Do you believe you're a nobody? And I don't mean that in a negative way. We're everything in Christ, but we're nobody without him. Faith builds no barriers. Romans 4, 19 and 20. This is talking about Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. God said to him, you're going to have a child. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm 100. Sarah's old. How's that going to happen? He does the impossible. Yeah, but that's for there. That's not for me now. It's for now. If you believe it. Some of you, God is calling to do things that are way, Toby Mac would say, way, way beyond you. Way beyond you. And so, because it's way beyond you, you just, don't, you just say, no, I can't, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. He can. How many times I've said that? He can go way beyond us. To me, this makes the Christian walk exciting. So that we sit here and wonder, we just nullify, no, can't, no, not qualified. Only way to enjoy the Christian life to the fullest, and we heard it this morning, is to come to the place of total surrender. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you just on Sunday morning. He wants you, he wants all of it. But then we would say, well, it's hard to live on a fence. It is. If you live on a fence where you're half in and you're half out, and God still loves you, but for what he wants to do, it's going to take surrender. You don't have to be scared of surrender. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. You'll, you're free. So you can be saved going to heaven, but also, in another category, not following him. You'll still get in because you put your faith in Christ, but you're not in his plan. You're not following what he wants you to do. you got your own plan. This is natural. I have my own. I, obviously, I would have my own plan. You would have your own plan. This is how I see this playing out. This is how I figured this out. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, I, and do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I was reading, um, I think it was in a book that Pastor Jeff gave me, I think it was Francis Chan. There's a church, there's churches in Iran that if you're a believer, if you want to become a member of that church, you've got to be willing to give up all your property, you've got to be willing to go to jail, and you've got to be willing to be martyred if you want to join. Wow. That's, okay, let's, that's surrender. That's just how they're thinking. They want people that are committed and people that are in it. Not for anybody else's sake, but for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. God wasn't interested in Abraham's stuff. 
God wanted Abraham on the altar of surrender. He didn't need Abraham's stuff, obviously. He just wanted to see if Abraham was willing to follow him and lay it down on that altar of surrender. Again, Abraham was not perfect. If you read in Genesis, when he was before Pharaoh, what did he do? Even though Sarah was his wife, it was his half-sister. So he knew that if he told Pharaoh that that was his wife, what they would do is kill the husband and take the wife. But he told them, no, she's my half-sister, just so he could, he could spare his own skin. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't honest at times. But God says, I'm going to use him. God chooses. He makes the choices. He chooses who he wants to choose. I don't have the mind of God, and neither do you. You would think, why did God put that person in that place? That's because that's what he wants to do. He's got reasons. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. The second thing was Abraham, uh, the opposition, verses 4 through 6. We'll go back to Genesis. This wasn't smooth sailing on this journey that he had. Like I said, the days opposed him, 75 years old. But the age didn't hinder him. The age didn't hinder God. For some of you, you may think, I'm too old. I can't do that. We're never, we're, we're never too There'll be times where a person maybe can't teach the way they used to, or maybe they can't preach the way they used to, or maybe they can't teach the Sunday class the way they used to, but you still don't quit. You still have a relationship with God. But until you go home, never quit on God. Never let your age stop you from serving God. Titus 2 Two through three. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, and teaching the, young, the younger women. The el- elderly, godly women in the church should be teaching the younger women how to walk with God and live for God. You have experience. You can invest in someone's life. The way the society now is, oh, you're old, you don't know anything. Are you kidding me? There's people in here that got more wisdom just from life and if they've been walking with God. First Timothy 4.12. No, let no one, Paul was talking to me, let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word in conduct, in love, and spirit, in faith, and purity. So also, if you're very young, that doesn't limit God. I mean, you read some of these stories, you think these guys were like 30s and 40s. I mean, David was like 17 years old. He fought Goliath. Age doesn't limit God. There needs to be a whole generation of young people who can take the baton and take, and take whatever needs to go further in their life and in the church. 
What will this church look like 10 years from now? People are going to have to step in and people are going to have to, younger people, step up. So don't think, well, I'm too young. What do I know? No. Some of the great revivals in this country, the, the Welsh revival that was overseas, it was like four teenagers started that. And that went all through Europe worldwide. Four teenagers. I think there were 17. Two of them were 18. One was 19. So the, the days of, were opposed to Abraham. Also, the darkness was opposed to him. Verse 6. And Abraham passed through the land into a place of Shechem, into the plain of Morah, and the Canaanites were there. He was going into the land of the Canaanites. He was entering hostile territory. Human sacrifices, they were immoral, but he still followed God regardless. So what's around you can't limit you, only if you let it limit you. Well, you don't know where I live and what's going on. No, it doesn't limit God. It can either break you or make you stronger. For us, the world, the flesh, and the devil total dedication comes against opposition. I'm just giving you some verses. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yes, and all who desire to live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's part of the package. If you tell people, come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. It's great that you're saved, but everything may break loose on you too. Like I've been informed from people, if somebody gets baptized, you better pray for them because here comes the opposition. And I've seen quite a few people get baptized and then you don't see them anymore. What happened? Opposition, persecution, those things come. And we don't sugarcoat it to let them know everything's going to be fine now. You have eternal life, but as you grow, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be trials. We must live for God regardless of the hatred, the opposition, the ridicule. And how we do that? Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You're, you're in a battle. It's like going to battle. If you don't have armor, forget it. That you may be able to withstand against the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You think you can stand against the enemy, the spiritual, demonic world on your own? Never. Unless you, got those, unless you have that armor on and it goes through the different things. And the word of God is like a sword. It'll cut right through the enemy. When he's throwing stuff at you, you just have to be thinking with the word of God. That's how you become a casualty, is that you think you're going to do the battle yourself. I don't need people. I don't need the church. 
uh, whether I read the Bible or not, it's not going to make a difference. I'll, I'll get through this. No, you won't. You'll get through it. You may still be saved, but you will be in tough shape. And so, now the distance opposed him. From Haran to, to um, Beersheba was 500 miles. We don't think of that in a practical way. He had his flocks, the herds, the servants, the goods. He didn't drop out of the race. He was determined not to quit. Also, he had to take care of Sarah, Lot, the servants, the flocks and the herds. It wasn't just the crew somewhere. It was like they had to physically move there and do that. You know, sometimes there's a mentality, and I don't know where it comes from, but it happens like this. And this is how, this is what happens. We go and we start something. We, we, maybe we serve God in a, in a ministry or God tells us to do something. And then we tell ourselves, God told me to move on from that. That was only temporary. Everything becomes temporary. Everything becomes just for a short period of time. And I'm not saying that God can't do that, but people sometimes, all of us can get in the place where we use that as an excuse instead of being committed. Total commitment. I don't know about you, but do you see in life period, are people committed? Are they committed to anything? One day they're here, the next day they're over there. And they, they, they haven't made their mind up. And it's, oh, that's just temporary. I'm going on to something else. For Abraham, it took commitment. I'm going to see this through. And for some of you, maybe that's an area that is, you get blindsided on. You start something, and then you quit. You start something, then you give it up. Oh, it didn't work out the way I thought. And you lack the fortitude in, from the Spirit to be committed and to keep going. Because sometimes that's when God does something. He's not only trying to do a work through you, he's doing a work in you. Some of these things you learn growing up if you had proper upbringing sometimes, and some of them, maybe you never had that, and so you lack that. But God is able to put the package together for you. He's able to do those things in your life. You can say, God, I... I totally lack commitment. I don't know why I do that. I start something, I quit. I start, I quit. I don't want to be that way. Change me. You think God's going to say, oh, no, I'm not going to change you. That's too hard for me. No, he, he'll help you. He'll, he, he will help you become the person, the believer that he wants you to be. He can do those things. Just look around. Look around. You can see where people were before or if you didn't know where we were before and see what God has done. And it just, it's a journey. He took responsibility. One person said, he had great faith to place the unseen ahead of the seen. He put the unseen before the seen. A lot of times what you see is not reality. You think, God gave you a brain to think, and we have discernment, but sometimes we do that too much, and we're analytical and trying to figure out everything. The Spirit tells you to do it. Don't 
oh, let me think about that. Let me figure this out. God said, I already did all that. Just follow me. You know, that's why Jesus says, unless you become a little, a little child, how are you going to seek the kingdom of God? It means be humble. When I'm telling you, do it because I'm going before you. Just imagine what God could do in our lives if we just came to that place. All of us. There's nobody who's arrived. What's, what's, God, what's God have next for me and for you? And you'll hear the little, little whisper in your ear, you're a loser, you're a failure, you'll never be anything more than that. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the world, the flesh, or the devil. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk that way. He's to build you up and encourage you. And the third thing was Abraham's opportunities. Verses 7 and 9, and, Abraham, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto you, seed, I will give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And he removed from there unto the mountain of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed until the south. To experience God's, Abraham's opportunities, he knew them. He knew the promises of God. He knew. So he says, I stick through this. God's going to do this. To experience God's promises, he knew in his heart that Canaan was his and for his children. He enjoyed the future, though it remained unseen. That's kind of like us, as far as the things that we're doing. We're looking towards heaven. I don't know about you, but are you? Maybe, but are you looking towards heaven? The promise, the final promised land? One day this will all be over. No more heartaches, no more crying, no more sickness, none of that. But for now, we are serving him until he takes each one of us home alone or the rapture happens. That's the promised land. Will we stick to the course? Because when we get there, There'll be things to do and there'll be service there, but this life and everything that it contained and rewards and all that, it's over. He believed God's promises. He enjoyed God's presence. It says in verse 7 and 8 that he, in his worship, he stopped and built altars in the midst of the heathen. He showed a condition of his heart and love for God. In the midst of a heathen place, he was setting up altars to worship his God. It doesn't matter where you are. You can still worship God. You can be in the worst office or the worst company or wherever you are working and still, in your mind, be building altars to the Lord in the midst of, the, of decadence and heathenism and lost people. You can still do that. Not like, I couldn't make it because of where I worked. You know, those people really dragged me down and that was the beginning. Well, you let them drag you down. And sometimes you end up isolated. Not being in an obnoxious way, but sometimes you're living for Jesus. You're going to find that people don't want to be around you that are unsaved at the workplace. Some will, some won't. Sometimes you find it to be lonely. I've, I've experienced that. I've seen that happen. And I've seen people compromise their faith just to fit in with the crowd there. 
Doesn't have to be that way. He was building altars. For us, prayer and worship is a priority in our journey. If you don't stay in God's word and you don't spend time alone with him, you, don't have, you won't have the spiritual strength to be able to follow through with his plan. You can't ride on what you used to do two years ago or what you learned a year ago. It has to be fresh manna. It has to be here and now. That's, as I'm saying this, I'm hearing this, and it's for me, and I know it, and when I'm sitting there, and listen, Pastor Jeff, I'm listening because I want to hear. I, I need something fresh. It's when you think you've heard it all and you know it all, that's a bad place to be. But it says here, in verse 8, And he removed from the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent in Bethel on the west Ai on the east, and there he built an altar. From where I was reading, um, Bethel was, represents the house of God. Genesis 20 talks about Jacob there. And then Ai, or H-A-I, Ai, was, a, was meant to be a heap of ruins. Abraham was moving away from the heap of ruins towards the house of God. That's what he was doing. He was progressing in his walk with God. He was growing and he was learning. And this was at 75 years old. So to experience God's promise and to experience his presence, the last place is to enter God's place. Abraham was living in a far country even before he got to the far country. He was living as a pilgrim and a stranger in his, in, inside of himself. You know, people say sometimes you're so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. I don't know about that. What's wrong with our minds being on heaven and hearing what heaven has to say. Just, th just thinking even right now, just he's on the throne, Jesus is next to him, the angels, the angels hear what's going on, the unseen world. As we cross paths with people and God's plan, and he's, you don't just have to leave a country and leave your family, this is our daily walk. What's God doing here? He's maneuvering something here. Am I going to trust him by faith? It's, and that's for your lives, my life, and every Christian in the world right now. He's setting up plans. And he needs people to follow through. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Just the thing about changing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure inside of us, the Holy Spirit. The excellence of the power may be of God, it's not of us. The power is God's power. The ability to walk by faith is God's power. We just cooperate with the power. We're just cooperating with what the Spirit wants to do. 
That's all a life of faith is. That's why it's vital to be able to recognize. Sometimes we separate it. We go like, well, I'm thinking this, and the Holy Spirit is saying that. After a while, if you're close to God, your mind and the Spirit are going to be on the same page. Those gut feelings that you have, I've come to trust those as the Spirit because sometimes I, through trial and error, I look back and go, I kind of knew that. I felt that, but I didn't trust it. That was my mind. If your mind is with Christ, you're thinking with the Word, and it's, it's going to be one. It's not like there's two separate things. It should be one. Those things that you, God gave you a brain, and, and you're thinking, but you're thinking with the Spirit, and those things that you feel in your gut that you want to do, a lot of times that is God leading you. But we, over, we overanalyze and become so analytical that we kill the whole thing. We just kind of pull the rug out. We overthought it and we lost it. There is no condemnation. There's no guilt. But it's just like, okay, let's try something else. Maybe you'll get it this time. God just brings you around. He has a way of doing that. You go this way and he brings you around and before you know it, you're back where you were. Let's do this again. Let's try it one more time. And for me, it's usually more than once. And here we go again, and then we come back, and how about now? I think I got it this time. Thank God that he loves us, and he knows that we're but dust. And he knows what he's working with, and he, cho- and he chooses who he chooses. So God, you know the way I am. Help me. And he will. He lived in a higher plane, and just the last verse in closing, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then were raised with Christ, if you're a believer, seek those things which are above, or Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The key to all that is, Set your mind. Set your mind on what he says. And hopefully, if it's in there, you're setting your mind on the right thing. If you wonder about the word of God, read Psalm 119. The whole thing is about God's word and how much we need it. Are we willing to live a life of faith? That's what it all comes down to. I can't make you live a life of faith. You can't make me live a life of faith. Do I want to? And the only reason why I would want to is because, again, I know how much, what he did for me and that he loves me and he saved me. Why wouldn't I want to follow him? I mean, think about it. Why wouldn't I want to follow someone who loves me more than my mother, my father, my wife, my kids? He loves me beyond anything. He cares for me more than anybody else, whether you believe it or not. It's true. There's no one cares for you like he does. And so why wouldn't I want to follow him? It doesn't even make sense, but it is what it is. And how you respond to God's promises by faith, listen carefully, this last sentence, how you respond to God's promises by faith determines what God will do with your life. Let me say that again. How you respond to God's promises by faith determines what God will do with your life. 
How you respond will determine what God does with your life. I think God wants to do a lot more with our lives. He's not finished. He's not done. No one's arrived. And I think it's exciting to see and watch what God can do if you believe. You know, maybe this morning you, you're here, you, you never put your faith in him. He's the one who can save you. And as the song sang, said, it's undeniable. So, Father, who you are and what you've done is undeniable. Lord God, through the Holy Spirit, give us the courage, give us the strength to follow you in your plan. Thank you that you never quit on us, you never give up. I pray that we would hear your voice as individuals and as a church. You speak to our hearts, God. You tell us what it is you want us to do. Maybe you're here this morning and he's telling you what to do. He's telling you to put your faith in him to be saved, to become one of his. He offers you a free gift, a free gift of salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He paid the price. You should have been on that cross, not him. And he took the price for you. And his blood was shed, and it was acceptable to the Father. And that's why we can come and receive forgiveness. If that's you this morning and you want to be saved, you want to know that you're going to heaven, say, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I believe. I want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand. Lift it up and put it down. I'm not going to have you come up here or anything. Ask him to come in and save you. Don't hesitate. Just lift up your hand and tell Jesus that you want him. Lord, you can tell, even if a hand didn't go up, someone believed. They put their faith in you. God, we just thank you for who you are. Where would we be without you? Holy Spirit, just sweep through our lives. Sweep away the things that don't need to be there. The things that are hindering our following you. Our, our, those obstacles that are in the way of living by faith. Thank you. We thank you so much that we can be a part of your plan. Just thank him this morning. Just lift your praises to him. He's worthy to be praised. And thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you accept us. We've got a plan for our lives, God. Your faithfulness. You've taken our lives and changed us. And you've used us to bring glory and honor to your son. Lord, thank you for this morning. And, and I just pray whatever, all that took place brought glory and honor to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.